0: And welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people, who are known today as the Stockbridge-Munsee community. I'm Andrea Cunliffe.
1: And I'm Cal McPherson. Andrea, what is today? It's an exciting day.
0: It's a voting day. It's election day. Did you you vote?
1: Yes, did you?
0: Of course I did.
1: We did our civic duty. Listeners should get um, out and vote, shouldn't they? Pardon? Our listeners should get out and vote, shouldn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. Quit listening to us. Run down and vote. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but this is for today. Well, tomorrow we will hear the results.
1: Yes, with Mark Dunley. Well, today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, we first hear we hear from community members speaking about the budget and police policy at the November sixth Albany Common Council meeting. Then we follow a discussion regarding the need for Rensselaer County Animal Shelter. Later on, Bria Barthel has the answer to getting out and exploring nature in the Capital District. And after that, we get our last, <laughs> with this week's comedy segment with Ed Colsing. And finally, we hear from two poets, Jill Crawford, Craymard, and Cheryl A. Rice. But first, here are your headlines.
0: The Capital District Transit Authority has launched a new purple line, a rapid transit bus route running from U Albany's campus to Crossgate Malls and downtown Albany. This brings CDTA to 40 miles of rapid transit.
1: The Times Union reports that the first, the Troy's first pickleball court and splash pad are under construction in Landensenberg's 112th Street Park, as what may be the city's oldest recreation site gets a $1.13 million makeover.
0: And supporters in Rensselaer County are continuing their push for a county wide animal shelter, despite the idea of being opposed by the Rensselaer County Executive and Legislative. In January 2023, the Mohawk Hudson Humane Society ended contracts with eight towns in Rensselaer County after struggling with capacity. And we have more on that later.
1: The Center for Disease Control reports that New York State's infant mortality rate jumped more than 10% during the three-year COVID-19 health crisis, effectively erasing pre-pandemic improvements. Some 4.26 per 100,000 babies born in the state in 2022 died, which is below the national average of 5.6 black babies are three times more likely to die before before their first birthday than whites. Globally, the infant mortality rate is 29 per 100,000.
0: Forecasters expect the greater capital or district to see its first winter weather as snow and sleet. Begin around midnight Wednesday before tapering off into rain Thursday morning.
1: Bring your scraper. The Saratoga Springs Democratic Committee on Monday blasted what it called a racist mailer from campaign incumbent Public Safety Commissioner Jim Montanino that endorsed Democratic criticizing Black Lives Matter and uh, opposing candidate for Public Safety Commissioner Montanino called Saratoga Black Lives Matter a hate group. We have a story on that on our website, mediasanctuary.org. And that's it for your headlines.
0: And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, listener-supported radio that builds community in Troy and the surrounding capital region through broad grass- grassroots participation.
1: Our content is produced by volunteers. learn how you can contribute, go to mediasanctuary.org. Email us at hmm at mediasanctuary.org. Or call 518
0: On November 6th, the Albany Common Council held their public hearing on next year's city budget. Many community members came to speak on what they believe the budget priorities of the city should be. Beginning with Kevin Canizaro from the Albany Community Police Review Board,
2: we bring you this report. The mayor's proposed budget uh, made a significant cut in the Community Police Review Board year over year. We've submitted a a number of supportive documents, uh, records which uh, explain what what we're asking for this year. And, you know, I I think that this council can get us here. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about the council's power We've had a a full year now of implementing Local Law J, truly implementing the full scope of it. And, you know, we've learned a couple things. There's been, you know, tremendous tension that we've seen as the status quo and establishment that has existed for, you know, decades, pushes back on the implementation of community police oversight. Uh, You know, to a large extent, That tension and that opposition is seen every time a city tries to implement uh, community police oversight, and we're seeing it now. Now along with the tremendous tension we've seen, we also see something uh, that is much more uh, beneficial for the city. We see real possibility uh, of what this board can do for the city of Albany. Uh, in terms of improving community relations with the police department, you know, it's something that this city has fought for for a long time. For more than 20 years, the board has existed. And, you know, our predecessors, I can't speak highly enough of what they, the work they did. We're now in a new phase that requires uh, the city to commit real financial resources. Real financial resources to ensure that uh, actual independent oversight becomes a reality here. Uh, that possibility, you know, I I was looking at our past meetings over the last uh, month since we started this budget cycle, and I'm always encouraged to hear the you know the voices of support that we hear in this council as we talk about the CPRB. And I'm encouraged at the possibility that this council can really use its power, uh, which is clear in the charter, to uh, give the board uh, a real chance to push back against, you know, the status quo that's existed for 20 years. I think it can be done, and I think the council, you know, has the ability to do it. But to get to that possibility, we have to talk with our wallets here, you know. It's one thing to say it. We have to actually have the money to do it. Uh,
3: Thank you so much for
4: being here. Could you just uh, mention some specific um, priorities that an increase in your budget will be able to help the CPRB do?
2: There's two budget scenarios we presented to the council this year, depending on which way it needs to go, in terms of what's realistic is increased monies are you know, not only necessary, but they're really vital in allowing us to perform our core function, which is that independent police oversight. Most of the money, uh, council member, that we're looking for goes primarily to those independent investigators, consultants, uh, who we've been using. I think that, I mean, we already have to make tough choices of what we use our full authority for. Without the money we're asking for, council member, we're gonna be even more restricted, even more limited than we were in the last year. And I think, you know, that's really not acceptable because we see the challenges getting more intense in this next year as we get into year two of pushing even harder to implement this.
5: Hello, Canyon Ryan. I'm the executive director of United Tenants. You may have seen in the news today, Newberg's study just came back and they have a 4% vacancy rate in ETPA-eligible properties, so within the next two weeks, they shall declare a housing emergency, and they will also opt into ETPA, so that's Kingston and Newburgh. That brings us up to 40 municipalities that now have the Emergency Tenant Protection Act and Rent Stabilization and a Rent Guidelines Board. I hope that Albany is the 41st, because I see it in my job at United Tenants that people are really struggling to find affordable housing. It's almost impossible for me to believe that any study could come back above five percent given the extreme difficulty that our housing counselors and tenant advocates and tenant organizers have in locating affordable housing while we're organizing buildings that are you know hostile takeovers from out-of-state landlords that are just price gouging people out
4: people have a lot of misconceptions about rent control can you tell us a little bit about what buildings are eligible and how that process works and then if we were to opt in um, what other municipalities have done to actually move forward with the implementation of rent control. Sure.
5: Eligible properties are those built before January 1st, 1974 with six or more units, so 74, six or more, um, meaning anything built after 1974 is not eligible. Anything that's like provided by a school or a not for, like a university or a not-for-profit or the hospital housing, none of that is ETPA eligible. It doesn't impact dorms. Um, it doesn't seem to impact small landlords. Some it's like baseline stats in the 15th ward. It's 92% of that ward's ETPA eligible properties are owned by like big corporations. Um, and then in the 14th ward, over 85% are owned by uh, landlords with more than 100 units. So it's something that doesn't generally impact small, you know, one-shot landlords. And for the other cities that have opted into ETPA. Uh, So once you opt into ETPA, the city then has to declare a housing emergency. Once the housing emergency is declared, rents in those eligible properties are frozen, and then the Common Council in this case would have people come in front of them, identify members of the Rent Guidelines Board, which consists of nine members of the public. It would be three representatives of tenants, three representatives of real estate, and then three just like general community residents. They would meet, they would set uh, what's called The initial legal uh, regulated rent which is a baseline rent so it's kind of tricky but essentially this is the one opportunity where tenants have a right to challenge rent increases that have occurred since uh, arbitrary date that gets set by the rent guidelines board so in Kingston the rent guidelines board said okay RILRR is going to be January 1st 2019 and then tenants were able to challenge rents that were above the fair market rent or rents that had increased more than 16%, and that's why Kingston decreased rent 15%, because it was based on that ILRR. So it also gives tenants the one opportunity that they'll probably ever have, and it doesn't happen again after you enter into ETPA, to challenge rent increases that have happened since an arbitrary date, which is also really impactful when we're talking about the way that rent prices have increased in Albany since the pandemic started. Um, can you give us the figures of about how many residents this would affect? Uh, over 15,000. Well, it's more than a quarter of the renter population in the City of Albany. Good
4: evening. My name is Marco Flagg, and uh, I'm here to ask the Common Council to allot funding for a vacancy study. That would then help to trigger ETPA. Because I, I live in an ETPA-eligible property, so I get to be uh, a tenant here talking about uh, why it's important for me I got a, a dog, a rescue dog, and I'd, like, walk him around the neighborhood and stuff like that, and doing that I kind of see that the neighborhood I am I live in, it's a great neighborhood to be honest, like, uh, you know, it's close to Washington Park, there's schools all around, um, there's green space, dog loves it. This could be, you know, a spot like a neighborhood where, you know, I could spend more time, I could settle down or whatever. However, given the, the rent increases that I see every day through my work at UTA that uh, affect neighbors, affect colleagues, could very well affect me the next, next year, the next month, and three months from now. Puts a real, real limit on our, because it's not just me, sense of future and belonging to a community that is a great community, but that you know, there's this barrier. Rent has been just increasing like crazy, and so it really is heartening your support for uh, this sort of policy.
6: My name is Keith Irish. I'd like to comment tonight on your community media cable access channels, commonly referred to as Channel Albany, Channel 1301 but also consists of Education Albany Channel 1302 and Government Albany Channel 1303 on Spectrum Cable, and how they are being underfunded, underutilized, and understaffed, some might say being treated like that third unwanted stepchild and being neglected. You have control of the funding as PEG Access Funds, proposed amount of an increase to $50,000, which amounts to 4%. How many of you have actually been in the production studio? How many of you have actually know where it is? How many of you know what days and hours it's open? How many of you actually watch the channels, mostly programmed and scheduled in Schenectady? Yes, Schenectady, and not in-house where the equipment and software should be. I ask that you plan in the near future hearings on the needs of Channel Albany. For
1: more Common Council updates and more coverage of Common Council of the Albany Common Council, go to our website mediasanctuary.org.
0: Supporters in Rensselaer County are continuing their push for a county-wide animal shelter despite opposition from the county executive and the Republican majority in the legislature. In January 2023 Mohawk Hudson Humane Society severed eight municipal contacts and contracts in Rensselaer County after struggling with capacity. Sue Donahue of the New York State Humane Society and Valerie Layden Walden, professor of animal law at H at the Hudson Valley Community College discussed the need for a county animal shelter with Mark Dunley of
7: Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Rensselaer County uh, has been asked to uh, open up uh, a countywide animal uh, shelter. Uh, So far, county officials have not been particularly supportive of the proposal. Uh, We talked to two uh, local uh, advocates, uh, Sue McDonough, uh, who's with New York State um, Humane Association and Val uh, Walden, who's a professor of animal law over at Hudson Valley Community College. Valerie, maybe we'll start with you. Why is there there a need for an animal shelter? What's, what's bringing on this uh, this request? Mark, what
8: happened about a year ago was the Mohawk Hudson River Humane Society in Manans um, was in a position where they could not, due to space concerns, accept the volume of animals that they had been over the years. You know, at one time Mohawk Hudson was our only animal shelter. Um, but Rensselaer County has grown, the area has grown and what happened as a result was the Mohawk Hudson Humane Society severed contracts with a number of towns and municipalities in the surrounding area, including Rensselaer County, including most of our towns and municipalities. We learned of this in November, about a year ago, and it was to go into effect in January. So we had about eight weeks to scramble to find places to put stray dogs. Um, And the, the, the problem we're finding is there was so little notice and there are so little places that are viable. For example, our town, Sand Lake, contracted with Agway in Brunswick to place the stray dogs. This is not a long-term solution. It's not sustainable. Um, North Greenbush, where Sue is, um, has their dog control officer bringing stray dogs to his garage. We've we've learned of other municipalities, Mark, that have traveled long distances with stray dogs to adjoining counties because there's no no place to put them. So that's what brought it on was the severing of the contracts with a shelter that we had contracted with for many years. And we support them. We understand their dilemma. But at this stage, um there the the towns are are scrambling.
7: Okay, each so, town... so what what, what hmm. has the, the county's responses been? Why have they been apparently resistant to this idea? What's their argument?
9: Well the county is um not responding because the New York State Agriculture and Market Law Article 7 states that um, every town shall have a pound or a shelter for dogs. Every town where dogs are licensed, that issues, dog licenses must have a pound or shelter for dogs. Um, So The county feels that this is not their responsibility then to have a humane society. But what they are missing is, that is only one section of the New York State agriculture and market law that applies to to animals. Um, That section does not take into account animal cruelty, animals that have to be surrendered animals that are that um are lost that are unwanted that um are stolen it doesn't take into account cats and there is another section of the agriculture and market law article 26 which does address all these things it addresses any animal cruelty and um that section of law mandates that the police must handle animal cruelty in New York state. The police are obligated by law to make arrests for animal cruelty. And so therefore, animals are evidence and when they are seized in a crime, uh, uh, anything involving cruelty, they have to have a place to go. And that can't be just some garage where some dog control officer maintains one or two stray dogs. Uh, So um, we've tried to explain to the um, county executive that it doesn't make sense for 14 municipalities. There's 14 towns and there's two cities in Rensselaer County. It doesn't make sense for every one of them to have to have a separate place to put stray dogs. In the meantime, there is no one main humane society where all the the dogs and the cats would be able to go. And if there was a case of major cruelty, the animals could go there, whether they're dogs or cats or stray or injured or victims of horrific human uh, violence inflicted upon them. They would have one centralized place.
7: Now I remember a number of years ago, um, perhaps under the Cuomo administration, but the state was actually providing financial incentives to the counties to try to consolidate just these type of uh, municipal services. So you know, has the state been saying, "Hey, this is something"? The, the other counties beginning to step into this, and I imagine. With COVID and the change in people staying home and then now going back out, there's probably resulted in an increase in, in, in dogs being abandoned and other pets being abandoned?
8: Well, without question, if you, for example, look at the um, the website nextdoor.com, we see on a regular basis every day, every day, animals missing, animals lost, cats, dogs. People don't know where to go, Mark, at this point for their animals all over the area. Um, our frustration is is in part that the county executive won't even speak with us. He, he won't even consider the idea. And I would just like to go on. The record is saying, let's not forget that they recently purchased um, the old Rose Kernan building in East Greenbush for $10.2 million and are renovating parts of that right now. That's a, That's a luxury. That's a luxury. What we're talking about is a necessity. In addition, um, they are boasting of a 10% tax decrease in the county. Okay, good, great. But we've been assured by the minority party who were very supportive of this, that the money is there. And it's just a question of priorities and it's not a priority to our county executive or the majority Republican party.
7: How, how the towns at all weighed in and, and, and try to convince the county executive, listen, uh, Steve, this is going to save us a lot of tax dollars here. Let's not have duplication of services. Uh, why can't you get behind it? You any of the town officials doing that for you? So when I drafted, to answer your question, I don't think so. So and I
8: drafted a letter to all the town supervisors in Russell County outlining the issues and the problem, we were fortunate enough to meet with the Sand Lake outgoing town supervisor and the incoming town supervisor, and they confirmed to us they have no long-term plan. They are absolutely as um, desperate as we as we say they are, and it's likely, for example, with Sand Lake that the agway where our dogs are currently being taken is not going to renew the arrangement with the town of Sand Lake. So all
7: yeah. We just have a minute left. So what do you plan? What's the next step in trying to convince the county to to do this in 45 seconds?
8: They've made it clear to us that they're not going to fit the bill, but they could work with us. They could they could talk to us. They could work with us. It's almost become um, it's almost become hostile, which is unnecessary.
9: Yeah, well, Uh I'm actually afraid that what what is going to happen is there's going to be some serious issues with with dogs, maybe some dangerous dogs uh, running loose because there's no place to put them. Um, It's going to become a human health problem. Cats, as you know, um, do carry rabies in New York State. They don't want anything to do with cats whatsoever. So they are being dumped in the streets as we speak.
7: Unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, We've been talking about the idea of getting a county Countywide Animal Shelter with um, Valerie Walden and also Sue um, McDonough. And this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.
1: And we'll keep updates on this story. Check out our website, mediasanctuary.org, or listen to future episodes of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine for updates.
0: And for those of you just tuning in, I'm Andrea Cunliffe.
1: I'm Kaelin McPherson. You're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network on WOOC LP 105.3 FM Troy, WOGLP 92.7 FM Troy, WOS 98.9 FM Schenectady. WOALP 106.9 FM, Albany, and streaming online at Mediasanctuary.org. This program comes from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York.
0: And if you like what you hear, you can support this program by telling a friend. Find today's stories and more at Mediasanctuary.org.
1: Looking for a place in the capital region to get out and explore nature? Well, the Department of Environmental Conservation's Five River Environmental Education Center in Delmar. Gina Jacks, the center's director, and Paulette Dubadakin, executive director of Friends of the Five Rivers, talk about the value of walking in nature and the many programs offered at Five Rivers.
10: This is Bria Barthel for Hudson Mohawk Magazine. And back in the aughts, I was on the board of directors of a really cool organization called Friends of Five Rivers. I'm delighted in my new role as um, a segment producer to be able to bring information about a great place uh, to our listeners. So Friends of Five Rivers is a nonprofit support organization for the state-funded Five Rivers Environmental Education Center. And with me, are two people representing the two parts of the partnership. Gina Jack, who is director of the Environmental Education Center through the state, and Paulette Deducshin, who is the director of Friends of Five Rivers, the nonprofit support organization that helps with educational programs and other activities to supplement what's going on through the state. So Gina and Paulette, welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Thank you. We're both glad to be here. I said a little bit about Five Rivers, but perhaps one of you can say a little bit more where it is, what it is, why people might want to come.
11: Yeah, this is Gina. Five Rivers is outside of Albany, New York. Technically, our address is in Delmar. So 56 Game Farm Road in Delmar, about 20 minutes from downtown Albany by car. There's 450 acres of property here, roughly 10 and a half miles of trails. Um, Some of our trails are wheelchair accessible. It's just this wonderful place to get outdoors and explore. It's easy to get to. uh, And just, I, I find it just a refreshing place to get a breath of fresh air.
10: You mentioned fresh about three different ways in that <laughs> sentence. Tell us about the advantages or the benefits of getting out in nature.
11: Well, there's the, um, the physical health benefits of just being physically active in the outdoors, the exercise component. But there's also, I think, a really strong mental health component. There's just something calming, soothing about going for a walk in the woods. Um, For me, uh, part of it is the smells that I get when I walk from a pine forest into an open meadow. It's putting the cares of the day behind me, listening to the birds, um, watching the wildlife. There's just something really, really soothing.
12: I don't know. Paulette, what about you? Yeah, the same. And I've also heard from many people as we're hopefully at the end of the pandemic now that through the pandemic, nature was a real connection for them. It really grounded them and uh, their sanity, so to speak, by being able to get out onto our trails here. And similar to what Gina said, just breathing fresh air and listening to the sounds and uh, so forth. So That connection to nature is very important to a lot of people. It helped them through a couple of very tough years and and continues.
10: Most of the benefits you've mentioned have been things that you can get on your own just walking around. Mm -hmm. And yet, Paulette, I know Friends of Five Rivers uh, offers incredible group activities, education classes for kids, uh, track and talks for adults. Can you tell us a little bit about the programs that can help people learn more about nature beyond just experiencing it?
12: Yes. So Friends of Five Rivers runs the guided school programs uh, in conjunction with DEC. So we work in collaboration on that. But our guided school programs have been around for many, many years. The guided school programs is a science based program in line with the New York State education curriculum. We have our director of educational programming Nancy Conway. Uh, She is an outstanding environmental educator, and really has done so much over the years to enhance these programs. We also have Nancy Payne, a longtime environmental educator, and she handles the family programming, the beautiful day programs for uh, young children ages two to five, and the summer nature programs, And it really starts families uh, with young children at an early age to appreciate nature, to ground them in nature and appreciate the science of nature and all that's around them.
10: And it's so much fun seeing kids dipping into water and looking with, with magnifying glasses at all the critters that are there and looking at insects and such. But the water that's there is creeks. There's no rivers. (laughs) So why isn't it called Five Creeks or Two
11: Creeks? Uh, You're right. There's only two rivers or streams here, the Kill and the Kill. The five rivers that we are named for are the five major rivers in the area where the majority of our visitors come from. So the five rivers that are in the Capital District. So it's the Mohawk and the Hudson, the Hoosick, Sakandaga, and Schoharie. Harry is nowhere near Del Mar. But you'd be surprised how far people will travel to come to Five Rivers. The guided school program lessons, we're drawing everywhere from Amsterdam to Poughkeepsie and Bennington, Vermont, even. And the visitors, the general public, are coming from across the U.S., actually from around the globe because we are a premier birding site we'll get groups of people who are on a birding tour who will specifically come to five rivers it will be a destination uh in a series of destinations for their you know like a big year of birding this will be one of their places to come i've been on
10: birding walks that go out at like seven in the morning
11: Yep, 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) Um, Do you have any coming up? Actually, this week, uh, although Thursday of this week, it looks like it's going to rain. So it may get canceled. I would suggest that anybody who's interested watch the weather. But Thursday morning this week, which would be November the 9th, um, at 7.30, there is a guided bird walk. We call it early birders. So you meet in front of the Visitor Center at 730 with Drew Hopkins, one of our educators, and go for a walk to see what's moving around. And generally the bird walks are about two hours. With
10: all of these activities, with the classes for kids, the walks for adults, and all of the other things that go on with sustaining the center, I suspect you can use
12: volunteers. Absolutely. So Friends of Five Rivers runs the volunteer program here, and we're always looking for new volunteers. We staff the greeters desk in the visitor center. Our guided school program instructors are volunteers. Uh, we look for special event volunteers, you name it. We can't do what we do without volunteers. And we offer very flexible hours and we work around the needs of a person. But yes, we're always looking for volunteers. It's who we are. It's how we sustain everything that we do here for the public.
10: And another piece of sustenance is money. I understand you have a fundraiser coming up, and I understand because I've already signed up for it. In our last moment, can you tell us something about the event that's coming up?
12: Yes, it's this Thursday, November 9th from 530 to 7:30 at Glen Peter Jewelers in Glenmont, their new location there. They're very generous and philanthropic to offer their venue to nonprofits and small organizations. And there will be appetizers and drinks available, but our fundraising component will be a silent auction, a raffle, a gift card pool, and some other fun events a really great way for people to just come out and get to know who we are and what we do it's our first off-site event and we're excited okay
10: unfortunately we're out of time there are lots of other things i wanted to talk with you about about controlled burns why they're needed in the uh, pine bush but not evidently at five rivers at least now about the impact of climate change on what's going on but we are out of time for this session i hope we can have another one and thank you. That's again Gina Jack, Director of the Five Rivers Environmental Education Center, the state side of the partnership. Paulette Deduction, director of the Friends of Five Rivers, the nonprofit side of the partnership. And the website for more information about Five Rivers and its activities is
12: Yes, friends of Five Rivers.org or www.dec.ny.gov.
11: Okay. Thanks a lot. This is Bria
10: Barthel for Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Signing off. Thank you.
0: Five Rivers programs are offered for everyone from age two through the adult. And that was produced by Bria Barthel for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.
1: Now we turn to our weekly segment featuring local stand-up comedians Uh, Let's welcome back our producer, Brad Monkel. Hi, Brad. Thank you so
13: much, Kalen. How are you? Doing good. Good to be here, as always. So, who'd you bring with you this week? This week, I brought along Ed Colsing, one of my oldest friends in the comedy scene around here and the host of the uh, Lark Tavern open mic in Albany every Thursday night at 8 o'clock um also i guess since while i'm saying that i'll get it out of the way uh, ed's gonna be there on a show on november 18th with uh headliner peter ravello ed you're also uh well you know what before i go any further than
14: that ed say say hello hey. to the people hi guys so, thank welcome you so much w- for being here welcome
13: ed. to the hudson
1: Magazine. it's
14: great to be here i actually listen to this radio station a lot so it's uh, kind of amazing to be here see what happens behind the scenes
13: Glad I can bring you in. You yeah. said you you mostly listen for the uh, the world music.
14: Oh, absolutely! It's it's a good way to uh, kind of break the. Uh, I guess that you get kind of if you're, I, I exclusively listen to the radio like in the car. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a nice like on the way to work, on the way home from work, wherever I'm going. I like to you know poke around and find something, and uh, I'd say pound for pound, there's not a better station out there if you're trying to get outside of like the same. Classic rock that you hear like from like when you were born till now, and then like the uh, pop that I can't really stand. If I'm being 100 percent honest,
13: yeah. So. I always love to hear when people actually like do listening because I have such a bad sense. I just do the jazz sanctuary show here. And I don't, yeah. Nobody know. really. I mean, you, we you're... call it the Wook. What do you
14: do? You guys yeah. actually call it? No, actually, someone called
13: it the Wook to me the other day. Okay. I it's I have heard. Trying of to figure listening.
14: out if I if I'm picking up the trail of breadcrumb breadcrumbs you guys are leaving for me yeah uh, you didn't mention it too but I also uh, play radio uh, I well do, I was about to say uh, do it, do it. I was about to say Ed also has a, a podcast called butt stuff but with one T one T everybody it's like it's all butt stuff you know it's not yeah. like uh, you know keep your head out of the gutter yeah it's uh we I've been slacking on the Spotify I gotta, gotta get the Spotify up but uh, on Instagram and YouTube anyway don't listen to it uh, um, I'm not trying to action anybody here but uh, you know stay far away from the podcast but uh it's there should you uh, be tempted it's well, like pandora's box you can't get enough you know
13: well you guys uh you're very prolific which is the hardest thing to do with a podcast you guys have a lot of content and i've uh listened in here and there and i uh you know I, I love the dynamic with you and your co-hosts and uh the broad range of ideas you get to is it hard to to i guess put out content that frequently and, no. and but but i was like in the search of having things to talk about that frequently I, is there anything in particular that you like have ended up like learning randomly yes or having to talk about that you actually
14: all the time i look like an idiot uh very frequently on there and as i'm sure any uh you know broadcaster does you'll be like you'll say something and be like oh god wish i didn't say that and you gotta you gotta either decide like okay do I uh, double down or do I like <laughs> try and like learn you know what I mean uh, and then it's like sometimes you just paint yourself into a corner and uh, you know there there were some times where I wasn't picking up with one of my uh, co-hosts was like laying down or just didn't want to be on that sinking ship with him you know what I mean and kind of uh, you know it's a learning process I've been doing it since about 2020 now but it's uh, you know. It's a, it's amazing, and I, I have real respect for what you guys do, and it's it's really nice to be in a real studio instead of just on on my friend's kitchen table. You know what I mean? Setting up and breaking down podcast every Sunday, uh, but um, yeah, well, I mean, I it's great having you here, but I also really respect,
13: like I said, the the consistency because you do have a a large you know body of episodes, and that is the hardest thing to do. I'm lucky that I have that I'm on the schedule here to, to bring me in here. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, I, I need that kind of consistency. And I've, you know, I have a podcast that's like fallen to the wayside and it's so hard to, to really put that work in and do
14: it. I'll say the easiest thing about it is having, since I have three co-hosts, you know, we, we give each other like, you know, room to breathe and talk and all that. But, um, there's always three people asking like, okay, when's the pod this week? You know what I mean? So it kind of keeps you on it. Um, so as. the more people, the better, is what you're saying. Ah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but because um, <laughs> there were times where we had like six people on there. I, I don't want to get into the, this. is Too much time on the podcast. I feel we're we're squandering uh, uh, what little time we have here. But I, uh, I don't know. Um,
13: I just wanted to bring it up just briefly. Yeah, give yeah, the no, shout no. out. I
14: do love it. This this is like uh, this is checking boxes for me. You can't imagine. <laughs> right the Butt Stuff Podcast Also uh, Ed's on
13: Instagram At clout yeah,
14: there's I'm not very active on that either But uh, if you want to shoot me some memes I like memes a lot <laughs> I'll, I'll fire some back at you
13: um, Well uh, I don't think I've really You know I've known you since I started doing open mics, but I don't think I've ever really gotten to sit with you and actually ask, like, how how did you start doing open mics? So,
14: actually, it's really funny. One of the people that I uh, host the podcast with, my buddy uh, DJ, lost a fantasy football uh, league that we're in, and he had to go do... I have always kind of wanted to do it, but he had to do, like, poetry, like Def Jam poetry was the punishment, and uh, we had to go find a public space for him to do that, and he told us it was, like, a poetry night, so we... We went to, uh, <laughs> we went to an open mic poetry night, and it turned out to be a open mic comedy night. And I like was like, okay, I'm meant to be here, and I signed up, and I, uh, I thought I did pretty well, and I had fun doing it. And then I, I did it for a little bit, and then I kind of picked it back up uh, a little bit less than a year after that, and got hooked. You know? Yeah. There's nothing better than, um, it's like, uh. If I can take the crap that I go through in my regular day to day and spin it into something funny for like you know people who enjoy, that's like what I've been doing my whole life, you know. So it's it's it was a very like uh, I don't know it was an enlightening experience. I I never asked you how you got into it, but I'm sure you've talked about it here before.
13: I don't, I don't think I've talked about it here, but it's you know it's it's a similar kind of thing where I was I had just well. I, once I started doing it, I got hooked, but I t- I like had been thinking about it for a long time writing ideas. Right. So I and I finally went to one um at the ground or not the ground up. Uh, never mind, It's someplace on Lark, I forget the name. But uh, Savoy. But it was bad. Then I waited a year, did it again, it was bad, waited a few more months, then I started doing it. Nice. Um but, you know, the the main thing I want to ask about your early time in comedy is some of the are there any like like routines or bits or premises that you look back on, you're like, yes. "Oh my god, be- what was beginner Ed thinking?" Is there any like all of them?
14: But like, I like I still love them all, like my ch- my children, you know. Like I don't have one kids, that's appropriate
15: for
13: air, or like a story of how it was received by an audience. This one time, or
14: something. Uh, I was I was being a little bit of a a uh, little bit of a piece of work, I guess. Um, I was in this. It was uh, it was a bar up in. Um, I want to say it was Round Lake, and it was a very, uh, let's say, right-leaning crowd. But uh, I I hadn't known that at all. There was just a—it was a very loud bar, and it was just us having our own little, like, five or six comedians just, you know, just fighting through it. You know what I mean? And I was trying to get any attention I could, and I uh, had said something uh, not supporting the troops, and uh, that was uh, not received well. Uh, so much so that, uh, you know, some folks stood up from the bar and were like, get, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, um, that was a learning experience because were, like, you, were, you ejected? Quite no, little, uh, no. But, uh, dishonorably I mean, discharged. I was dishonorably discharged for sure. <laughs> they, they did not want me to get my, uh, my GI Bill, uh, house or whatever there. It was, it was, it was like fun though, because there, there are people like the people who saw that, uh. I guess, have told that story to like 10, 15. And there's like quotes, and like I just kept doubling down. That's like my Bill Burr Philly rant, you know what I mean? I was just saying, all they do is just buy Camaros and Mustangs, and it gets a little bit uh, not PG after there. But um, you can maybe connect the dots. I don't know if you're as cynical as I It wasn't even like, I want to say right here, since I am on the radio, I do support all the troops. I think it's brave, and it's honorable what you guys are doing, and thank you for your service, but I was just more trying to, it was like a a thought uh, experiment, you know what I mean? Well, it's sink
13: or swim up there, especially at an open mic, and like you said, one where no one's paying attention. You might say things you don't mean in the... Oh, I meant them.
14: No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But what I was saying was like uh, the the whole support the troops, uh, I'm sure it's like kind of hack at this point, but it, it was like one of those things like the turn on it was eventually like, you know, I didn't even tell you what troops... It could be the other guys' troops that were supporting. You don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a blanket statement. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll get off the troops now. I really appreciate what you all drew doing out there for us. <laughs> so patriotic dude. i so patriotic. On, a, on election it, day. On election day, dude. Yeah. Everybody, I just want to say, make sure you go out and vote. Uh, the local elections matter the most. You know what I mean? So you, make sure you know the propositions in your local municipalities and uh, you know, read up on them. Don't just go up there checking yes or no. Are I you know running you for like for not not at all. office <laughs> <Not> or something? <laughs> I, I will say this: I did just, uh, I, I did just buy a house in Troy, so maybe you'll what? see me on a city council uh, meeting at some point. I, I would do it. Oh, we got to wrap it up. We got zero. We got zero. Well,
13: thank you so much, future city council member Ed gulsing mm-hmm.
14: Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us, Caitlin. So,
1: uh, any shows coming up in uh
14: just, just where November can... 18th at Lark Tavern and uh every Thursday at Lark Tavern uh and then for the podcast every Sunday on YouTube, Instagram, and uh when I get around to it uploading to Spotify there. Thank you, Ed.
0: Wonderful to have you with us. Thanks so much. Wonderful to be and, here. Uh, thank you, Brad. Thanks for bringing this in.
14: Thanks, Andrea.
0: See you soon.
14: See ya. Uh, you mean me? I'm coming back? No.
0: <laughs> I know. You're going to be back. You're back tonight, right, Brad? No,
14: that was Ed. No, that was me. Oh, Ed. That, sorry.
0: Someone was.
1: Tom Francis introduces us to a poetic license, Albany, a joint project of the Hudson Valley Writers Guild and Upstate Artists Guild that brings together regional poets and visual artists. Today, we'll hear from two poets, Jill Croft. Cromond and Shell A. Rice, who share their works at a special reading celebrating the collaboration.
3: Ekphrastic art is defined as the response of an artist in one medium to a work of art by an artist in another medium. Its more common manifestation is in poetry written about visual art. Poetic License Albany is a project that turns that around, giving local visual artists an opportunity to respond to the work of poets. Last year, inspired by a project created by the Poetry Barn in West Hurley, New York, and the Art Society of Kingston, the Hudson Valley Writers Guild, and the Upstate Artists Guild created their own version of this project, which they called Poetic License Albany. 113 individual poems were submitted by 62 poets, ultimately 18 works of visual art were exhibited at the Art Associates Gallery and Lark Hall in Albany, with three readings held in conjunction with the exhibits. This week we'll hear from two of these poets, Jill Crammond and Cheryl A. Rice, who shared their work on September 28, 2022 at the Art Associates Gallery in Albany, New York. Local poet and photographer Dan Wilcox served as the host for the evening, introducing the writers and the artists.
16: Okay, uh, our um, next reader up is also an accomplished um, artist, visual artist, and teaches visual art, and a longtime member of the arts community, and and all of that in the community. Um, Joe Cramon's chapbook, handbook for Unwell Mothers, is forthcoming in May 2023 from Finishing Line Press. Her poems have appeared in literary magazines and anthologies such as Slipstream, Sweet Tree Review, Limp Wrist, Tinderbox Poetry Journal, Mom Egg Review, and Mother Mary Comes to Me, a pop culture poetry anthology. Her work has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize, and her poems recently appeared as part of Poem Village a community program celebrating local poetry in the Adirondack town of Saranac Lake. So please welcome Jill Crammond.
15: So this poem, I started just kind of writing about October, and as it turned out, it was about my dad. So um, anyway, it's called I Want to Call You October, and that's the painting back there. Sit with me a while in the kitchen at five o'clock sunset, splayed on the table, bleeding orange string and pulp, the full length of my dullest knife. Condolences to your hollow smile, your seeds, all that sprang from them. Stop trying so hard with your skeletons and spiders, your tombstones and witches. Terror is a lie. Your death, fake. A pulsing hand thrusting from the plastic skeleton's chest. Drunk pumpkin, let me introduce you to my father. True ghost, buried six years. Properly dead, lain out in fireman's dress blues. Cast your spell, hallow month. Candlelit mouth, bring me the head of someone I love. Um, I write a lot about ghosts and spirits, and um, I actually believe in all of the spirits. I'm a medium, too. Um, so I wore my dad's fireman ring, and when I got in the car to come here, his song came on, so I kind of feel like he's here, too, and it, it, he was a fireman. The First Grave Mistake When my father first died, I carried small hand shovels with me everywhere in case someone else I loved was trapped beneath the earth. Moles, their tunnels, my ankles. When trowel blades proved too much for my bra, I sharpened my fingertips until they bled. I made pitchforks of my feet, heaved my pitiful chest until both lungs bellowed black smoke. I became an excavator buried men in my backyard. Ghosts dropped their bones at my feet. I traded heart for grave digger's boot, walked myself down every aisle of the cemetery, searching for survivors.
16: Our uh, next reader is Cheryl A. Rice. Uh, who was well known here in the Albany poetry community? She li- lived here for a while. Now she doesn't. She kind of escaped, I don't know why. But she did publish a book of, of poems about Albany called Moses Parts the Tulips. She is also the author of Love's Compass and My Minnesota Boyhood. She is the host and founder of the now defunct Sylvia Plath Bake Off <laughs> greatest title in the world, right? And she has a blog. <laughs> She has a blog on uh, the Flying Monkey Prods, com. Go to blogspot, put her name, and you'll find her. All right. All right. Cheryl A. Rice.
17: My poem was picked for a wonderful painting back there. My handler is pointing to it. It's called Fishing Both Sides of the River. And it was uh, for Mike James, who's a wonderful poet out in Nashville. Between heaven and earth is orange, the binder I've been missing all my life. Only the fish you catch can see in color, but the ones that contend to stay on the right side of the bank, the reds around me, peevish, gregarious, shy away from the unmitigated optimism that is yellow. I see now orange as the missing link, mediator who can bring these two disparate sides of my palette back to sanity. Plum, a distant cousin, aquamarine, the troublesome hue that started, all the fuss. So buy that painting. It's just gorgeous. Pacifica. Past man-made grids, schools thrum in and out of vision. Rubberized canvas maps collapse on slanted boards of slate and dust. Beyond imaginary mountain gates, slender blue ribbons pose as rivers. There is an ocean I've seen from a beachfront cafe in Costa Rica. Another facsimile, that cafe, co-opted stars cemented in sky, Sand born of persistent collision of shell and stone, fish flattered by native chefs, grapes gone to fermented decline. I made sure to dip my toe in just to say I'd made it across from sea to sea, eight-hour deviation, airports and bus rides unforgotten. The sun burns sharp on the beach at noon. Inadequate melanin, naive lotion skills. I still have scars. Feel my friend's skillful hand apply aloe abandoned by spendthrift travelers. Cooling juice, no competition for deep. Impression of unbelted sun on my unbroken back. Pacifica, I have yet to visit again. Pandemic days strengthening deep hermit urges. Gas sits uncombusted in my car for weeks. I wear the same three socks, black T-shirt, unremarkable but for their ancient logos, peeling as time unidentified passes. My yoga mat on the bedroom floor waxes and wanes with moon's discontent. I am not nearly the happy wanderer I was, too satisfied with YouTube tales, ancient accounts of Metropolis's long-evolved past idyllic splendor. I am fearful of unfamiliar highways, planes nosediving into swamps, knees receding from shins and thighs. I am afraid no one will be home. There is no disappointment I haven't already navigated here at home. I can pretend tap water has been everywhere. Insistent coconuts bleeding for tourists at machetes, brutal urges. I relinquish my part in all this violence. I take my meds, raucous white noise overcoming objections of ringing ears. At home, I can find the bathroom in the dark, adjust the warmth to wash my hands, continue glowing when night blunts the blade of day.
3: Inspired by the success of 2022, the Hudson Valley Writers Guild and Upstate Artists Guild are excited to work together again to present an opportunity for collaboration between poets and visual artists in the Capital District. For more information on Poetic License Albany, go to poeticlicensealbany.com. For Hudson Mohawk Magazine, I'm Tom Francis.
0: Talking with poets every Tuesday night and Wednesday morning on our website at mediasanctuary.org. And that's it for our show. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Andrea Conlis.
1: And I'm Cale McPherson, also your engineer for tonight. We want to thank all of our volunteers who made today's episode possible. Headlines from Mark Dunley, who also produced a segment. Moses Nagel, Bria Barthel, Brad Moncal, Tom Francis, and your co-host, the lovely Andrea Cunliffe, and me, Kaylin McPherson. The program covers stories of social and environmental justice produced by the community, for the community, and is supported by independent donations. If you value independent donations, consider a gift a of monthly, a monthly donation as a sanctuary sustainer by going to mediasanctuary.org.
0: And we find you, you can hear us on instagram and facebook at hudson mohawk magazine or send us an email at hmm at mediasanctuary.org and tune in weekdays at 7 a.m 9 a.m and 6 p.m to hear local news or stream sanctuary radio at mediasanctuary.org sanctuary.org <laughs>